How you guys doing today? <laughs> I don't know who did that, but nice. Let's go. I'm going to try my best not to clear my throat a bunch. I know a few weeks ago, I don't know if I did it last week. I know a few weeks ago I did it really bad, but I'm finally coming, coming on the other side of this. So, hey, if this is your first time, welcome to The Remnant. My name is Todd. I'm the pastor here. And if it is your first time, second time, you've been gone for a while, you told me, you know, you're coming and now you've made it. If you look up here, we are in the, you're in the second week of a series that I'm super excited about. So I don't typically tell the people close to me that go to this church, for instance, uh, the guys I'm close to, if they are serving, I don't, I don't go, hey, make sure you listen to this, because that seems weird to me, right, like that they would go back. But I told the guys that they need to, if they're serving, they need to go back and listen to this, because um, it is changing my faith. This series, I'm, a, I'm, I'm being serious. See what I did there? Series, series. I'm being very serious about that. It is legitimately... I kind of describe it this way. I'm sort of learning with you because I feel like I'm seeing this map, right? I've had it for a long time. But now I am starting to see different parts of it that I always saw, but I didn't realize how they fit together to lead me somewhere else. I'm a nerd. But I, that, that's what, the way I view it. So I'm really excited, and it's, it's transforming my faith. It really is. So we're, we've been talking about, the, the series is called The Kingdom, and it's the, the idea of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Uh, if you catch you up really quickly, <clears throat> it's really important. How do I know this? Well, the New Testament mentions uh, it a hundred times between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. One hundred times it's mentioned in the New Testament through ten different books. And most of the time when, if you're like me, when you read, and the kingdom of God is like this, you would probably assume that that is essentially a synonym for Christian, right? If you're a Christian, then this is what it is. Christians do X, Y, Z. Um, but I started to read it, and I realized, you know, we have words like disciple. You know, Jesus' disciples came to him. His apostles came to him. His followers came to him. So I started thinking, like, clearly he's not just talking about us, the disciples. He's talking about a concept that is different than that. And it's more than that. And I think a part of our problem is, is we live in this modern world where we are a democracy or a republic is what we originally were. Whether we are that, that now doesn't matter. But that is what we are. And so we don't have a king, right? In fact, if I say king to you, you get very angry and you want to start revolting. That's what we do. So we don't like the concept of king. We don't understand it. So the idea of a kingdom is one of those things that's sort of foreign to us, but it's really important. And Jesus in the Bible takes it very serious that there is, listen to me, you ready? There is a kingdom. There is a kingdom of God, and it is not just when you die. How do I know that? Because when Christ came, he comes on the scene, he says, here's the good news. Go tell the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is now. It's arrived. It's here. What does that mean? The good news Go preach the gospel. It's interesting. You know, when I used to go see where Jesus would tell them to preach the gospel, I sort of just filled that in. And, and many, many times he instead actually says, go preach the good news of the kingdom. Heal and tell people about the kingdom. And uh, I think we missed something. I think we're missing a lot of things. And, and if you are new here, I inevitably am going to offend you because I only got one chance to wake you up. Um, because the reality is you've been in the kingdom so long that it means nothing to you. And you know everything. So you show up to sermons, right? But this is what you do. You know everything. And you listen to sermons and preachers because that's what you're supposed to do. But the reality is you're not really listening because you already know it. You know everything. 
That's the reality, right? Some of you have taken classes. I went to Grace College. I actually did, right? So clearly I have my piece of paper, and I thus need know nothing more of God. I just go to bestow my wisdom upon you, right? Although ironically I'm preaching, but you get the point. You know, what AJ said at the beginning is, is and I didn't know he was going to say that. It's really true, and it's really good, and I challenge you. Although he says that some people don't like challenge. I found women don't like that. They're like, you're going to challenge me? I ain't going to do it. Uh, at least I challenge you or implore you or like maybe you could try this. Whatever in, motivates you to, for today, hear these words as though you don't know everything. Listen to it. Let it take it at face value instead of filtered through the years of sermons you've heard and the years, and not, those aren't bad, the years of knowledge you have. And let, that, let it sink in. So, the verse that I'm going to tell you to set you up for this, those of you here last week already heard it, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. This is crazy to me. Ready? Colossians, it's not going to be up there because I forgot to tell them this one. Uh, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Here it is. He, capital H, that is? What? <laughs> Still people are like, is it? I don't know. Is it Paul? It's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Who is it? Paul. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. And transferred us, transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. Are you ready, Christians that I only get to talk to today? I don't know who you are. You probably think I like can eyeball you. And no, I can't. I don't really see faces, but except the grumpy ones. I can see you, so you should fake it. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us from the kingdom of the son he loves. Man, I love the symbolism there, Todd. New Testament letters. Paul's making an analogy. He is, but it, it means something. You have been moved. If you're in Christ, let's, what can we take from this? Well, we can take two things. There are two places. There are two cities. There are two kingdoms. That's it. This is important. There are two. There is the domain of darkness and the kingdom of the sun. That's it. That's it. I'm going to say it again. You are either in the domain of darkness or you are in the kingdom of God. Bottom line. You are a citizen of the domain of darkness or you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And if that's it. That is it. There's no in-between, no maybe, no possibility, no I'm a good person. You can be a good person and be, and be from the domain of darkness. Because your goodness isn't, is irrelevant. Because compared to the kingdom, your goodness is Forgive me, remember the offend you? It's garbage. Your goodness is garbage. I want to say that to you again. You say, oh, good, one person knows. I'm going to say the rest of you. Your goodness is garbage. It's true. Todd, that's mean. It's a fact. There's freedom in that. What do we take from that? Well, I just told you there's two domains, and the other one is, listen, those that have put their faith in Christ, in the Son, have been rescued. You didn't do it. You didn't stumble into the kingdom. <laughs> Right? Hey, you're kind of walking around and oh, I found this really cool place. I think I'll stay here. No, you were in the domain and you were rescued by the Son, by God. And when you were in the kingdom, you were redeemed and you were forgiven. And you were transformed. So we know that. And you can also take from that verse, this right here. We are no longer members of this world, period. I'm going to tell you this. C.S. Lewis says it. There are no mere mortals. I had this epiphany when I was talking to AJ, weirdly enough, if you know him. I looked at him. I'm a weirdo. And I go, hey, bro, you know you're not a mere mortal. He's like, yeah. <laughs> right? AJ's the guy that came up at the beginning. I said that to him because it hit me. I'm like, 
I have to believe. You're, you are here, but you're, you're just visiting. He is a different, he's an alien, right? I'm serious. He's, he's Kal-El, pretend to be Clark Kent. That's Superman. I told you I'm a nerd. Although comics are becoming cool now. So I've been cool for a long time, even before you knew it. Uh, <clears throat> we are now members of this, like, we're no longer members of this world. If you in this room are saying, I'm a Christian, you are no longer a member of this world. You're in it. You are in the domain of darkness but because you've been sent out to tell other people about the one who can rescue them and transfer them to the kingdom. Now, before I go on, let's think about this. What does Jesus himself say? We're going to talk about this next week. I tell you, I'm just going to keep you going about the kingdom because it's all in there. But he says, listen, you are, a, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill. Does it make sense now? The domain of darkness. Why do you got to be a light? Because I am sending you back into the darkness. So much of this will make sense. Remember the verse where Jesus says, nobody puts a lamp up on a table and then covers it, essentially, right? No one turns a light on and then hides the light. It's making sense now? So why would you go in to the domain of darkness being light and decide I'm going to snuff my light a little bit because I don't want to be too bright? Listen, we are literally now natives of a different land. We serve a different king. We live by a different law. We are ambassadors of God. We live, we are ambassadors of God sent into a foreign and sometimes, oftentimes, hostile land, period. It's hard to be a Christian. Yeah, it is, because you're not home. This place is hostile. Right now, even though he's not the most powerful, there's a, there's a guy running the show around here, and he's not a good person. And he hates the light. And remember what I told you, if you, you only have two options. You're in the kingdom, or you're in the domain of darkness. If you're in the domain of darkness and you're not of the kingdom, then you serve that master. So some of you in this room your whole life, you're like, I hate Christianity. Blah. Right? It's all fake. Blah. I'm cool with Christ, but Christians stink, which that's true. Right? Here's the thing about it. Why do you really hate it? I don't hear you walking around saying you hate Muhammad. Which, um, there you go. Who knows what's going to happen? You don't say that. Why? Why do you hate Christ? Why does the world hate Christ? Why does the TV hate Christ? Why does the news hate Christ? Why does it hate Christ? Why do you hate him? If I come up to you and say, hi, I'd like to convert you to the worship of Thor, you're not angry. I show up at your house with a Bible and you say, get out. Why? Think about it. You don't even know. I didn't either. We're sent to this foreign land and we have the purpose of telling people about the king who's going to be returning to take back what is his. You see, this little rebellion is only being allowed because the king loves his children. And some of the children have been blinded and fooled by the enemy into taking part in it. God is not <laughs> having to, like, gather his forces. He's not like, oh, boy, i got to regroup. He never lost. He's, it's over. He's just in his patience because of his love for you. He says, I'm going to wait because when he comes back, he is not the lamb. He will be the king, and he's not coming to give you flowers, right? Or at least to those in the domain of darkness, he's going to clear out his kingdom. He's going to root out the rats, the snakes, the goats. We're redeemed, though, those of you in here, sort of the first of others, right? Jesus, it says he is the firstborn, talks about that, right? The first one born into light, it talks about that in, in the scripture. 
This king, the kingdom is ruled. I mentioned by so there's two kingdoms, kind of two rulers. This guy's an usurper. He he's rebelling. He doesn't really have power, but God's waiting. He doesn't want to hurt his people. Save as many as he can. <laughs> the kingdom has different laws. Part of why you hate it. Christians are judgmental. Mm. You mean they say something's evil? They say something's not good. We, we should. The kingdom's eternal. It's going to last forever. It's already here. Immortal. You know what says that too? Boy, I, I can't wait. To, I'm just getting ahead of all these. Because I'm going to talk to you in a few weeks about a section that literally says that you're going to go from immortal to an immortal. Do you know that? Todd, this is sounding pretty crazy. I didn't write it. It's in there. Mortal to immortal. He says the perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. <laughs> You want to be in, in, in the eternity, in an eternal kingdom, you got to become an eternal being. You already are. But you see what I'm saying? you got to be immortal. The kingdom is already here. There are requirements to be a part of the kingdom. You live under this kingdom. We talked about you come to America, you're going to follow the laws of America, or you, right, there's an issue. You are kingdom people. You've got to act like it. The problem is some of you have been out in the domain of darkness so long that you kind of forget what the kingdom's like. And you get used to it because you know everything. Right? You don't need to hear about the kingdom anymore because you've already heard it 52 times. And God bless you because you keep coming even though in your own mind, if you're honest, you're like, yeah, he ain't going to teach me a darn thing. <laughs> I went to grace, right? That's, what I, that's me. I went to grace. That's what I'd say. Right? Or I went to seminary or whatever. The danger is no matter who you are. I should pick on a different one. Indiana Wesleyan. Um, you must die to this world to be born into the kingdom. Isn't that weird? In order to be transferred from the domain of darkness, you have to be reborn. You have to be transformed. Right? I'm just catching you all up. This isn't even the meat here. The kingdom, you must die to be born in this world. You've got to give it up. You've got to give up the darkness. The kingdom inheritance, listen, is more than a name or a title. Kingdom people will walk the walk. Do you know that? Even, even little girls, they will walk the walk. Right? See, that's the other thing, too. In the, in the kingdom, man, I'm 12 or 14, or I'm 105, and you just think each extreme thinks that they're, like not, they're immune to the kingdom. Like, like, this doesn't apply to you. Let me get back to TikTok. Right? Or let me get back to my word puzzle. I don't know what 105-year-olds do, but <laughs> same thing. This is real. The kingdom is separate from the domain of darkness. You must be transformed to live in the kingdom. You can't take a darkness. You can't take this thing that we are and move it into the kingdom. You can't do it. It doesn't happen. You have to be changed. Kingdom is good news. We'll talk about that. Why is that good news? Well, for one, you're not in the darkness anymore. Because listen, every guy in here, I'm, I'm, I'm tough. Right? You put me in a pitch black room with no light, and eventually I'm going to go, do you hear that? Right? right? I'm a very analytical, logical person. Hey, did you hear that baby whisper? Right? You're in an empty room. Or, I think I heard an old woman. Like, you get scared. Is that Freddy Krueger? You start believing irrational things because in the darkness, our fears because truth is the people that live in the domain of darkness are miserable. They just run from thing to thing to try to give them some sort of light. It's not, we'll get to that in a second, it's not real. 
The kingdom isn't just talk. I'm going to talk about that today. It's backed by power. I want to say that again. This is not words. This is not a philosophy. This is not uh, a teacher. This is not a motivational speaker. This is not the 10 steps to a better life. This is transforming power. And I mentioned this before. Many times in Christianity, there's two extremes. There is no supernatural. We know of Jesus and we'll talk about his law and we'll understand it and I'll know the theological Greek context and the syntax. And that's it. God doesn't move. Holy Spirit's a thing, but it's more symbolism. They won't say that. It's dead. And then you've got these people over here that are kooky, that are like, you know, playing at Hogwarts essentially and saying that they have magic powers and, you know, God is... You know, God is the electricity, and they kind of flip the switch, right? And they're flying on broomsticks. They don't do that. But my point is, that's the extreme too. No, the truth is somewhere in between. The truth is the supernatural exists. The truth is you and I have no control over it. The truth is God does work, and he does do the miraculous. You just don't get to determine when it happens, and no amount of your human effort is going to make that happen beyond asking and trusting. Just because you wear nice clothes and don't show some leg and you don't watch rated R movies and you don't cut your hair and the 50 other things you've been told you can do to earn power, you can't earn it. It's an inheritance. He's the king. He's the one with the power. We are just his sons and daughters. That comes with power, but our power comes from who our father is. So, that being said, I set you up. That's a whole sermon. See, you guys know. Here's the deal, everybody. <clears throat> I'm going to shift gears for a second. Have you guys, have you ever considered the color gray? For real? I'm a nerd. Again, stick with me. You're like, yeah, I have. All right, good. So, gray's weird. Okay? Gray is gray the absence of white or the absence of black? Which is it? Is there an art person? They're like, Todd, neither. It's a pigment. I don't know. The point is, when I look at that color, what a strange color, right? Listen to the definition of gray, of a color intermediate between black and white. And this is creepy. You ready? This is part of the same one. Of a color intermediate between black and white as of ashes. Isn't that weird? I mean, I could stop right there. The other one is, without interest or character, dull and nondescript. Lifeless, gray, it's nothing, right? Grace, like I don't think black is the color of nothingness. I think gray is. Gray is, right? It's, what is it? I think that I told you that there's a domain of darkness in the kingdom of God. It's in the Bible. I didn't make that up, all right? Stay with me. And this is where 100%. You ready for this? 100%. This, this, every single one of you, this is you. you may, now, some of you may be less than others, but for once, I can say every Christian in the room, you are guilty of this. Me too, so you don't get too mad. You want to live in something I'm going to call the gray light. You know, so you get out in the darkness, and for a while you shine real bright, especially when you become a Christian, right? And you're fired up, you first do it. Some of you have had the blessing of being a Christian since you were two, so you don't even remember this. You just lived as light. But whether you did, even then, at some point you leave your mother and father's house, and you go to school, or you meet someone, and all of a sudden the fact that you have light is not celebrated anymore. It's hated. It's mocked, even as a little kid. You go to school, and it's not cool anymore. Right, which is confusing because, like, I saw everyone at church. 
But when I talk about Jesus, I get made fun of. Or if you're like, you know, me, that you're older when you become a believer, you're fired up, you tell the whole world, like you go to your family and no wonder they're offended, and you say, you got to repent, which is what I did, like the second day. I was like, I don't understand all this, but I know this much. You have to repent or you're going to hell, right? <laughs> now that's the truth, but... But here's the thing, over time, my boldness began to fade because the reality is I understood that the darkness hates the light. It hates it. Scripture says that. And so, you know what I started to do? And I still, sometimes I decide, well, God, I won't, I won't shut it off. I'll just make it gray. I'll make it gray light. I always think of a, uh, you know, one of those street lights in a horror movie. It's like one light. Josh is like, I'm not with you, man. I'm trying, right? The singular light that's down over one person, and, you know, it's kind of creepy. No one knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I picture that, right? So you have this light, except it's gray. I want you to consider for a second gray light. You're probably thinking, well, Todd, easily we could do that. We get ourselves a black light bulb, and we shine light through it. Ooh, you just made my point. Either way, there's no such thing as light that is gray. And yet we choose to live in it because it's safer. So I'm going to shine enough that maybe the king is still happy with me, but I'm going to be in here enough so I can taste what they're tasting. So I can be where they're at and I can avoid getting called out and being called weird. You know who lives in the gray? Mostly. You know who built the kingdom of the gray light? Popular Christianity. Mainstream Christianity. Yes, you, people watching at home maybe, maybe you. The Christianity that says that I go to church on Sunday, I dress real nice, I'm there, I smile when I feel like it, because if you don't, hey, God understands. And then I go home and nothing changes, but I felt good that day because the pastor told me I'm a good person and that God's going to bless me as long as I give. And so I walk home and I just, I get to, You know, I get to tell the world, like, hey, Jesus is love. That's it. Not mentioning the reality, right? Truth and I love grace. I'm all about it. This church is tagging the chosen by grace, but, you know, grace doesn't exist without truth. (laughs) You can't have grace if you were never guilty. What is that? That's just praise. It's the gray light. The Bible, actually, for the longest time, I probably, since I've even been a pastor, I always... I love C.S. Lewis, so, you know, I always think of his book, and there's a movie about it. He talks about the shadow lands a lot, but it's in Scripture, too. They translated it that, you know, these are the shadow lands. Kingdom is light, and we live in the shadow lands. And, and the truth is, many Christians believe they're Christians because they're in this made-up sticks kingdom with glue and popsicle sticks with a castle made of that. And they live in what they call the gray light, and they make up a, a, a light. Now, some of the people in there have never been a member of the kingdom. They've just created their own. And some are true members of the kingdom, but they'd rather live in the popsicle stick shadowlands where there's gray light because at least there nobody points out that they're weird and hates them. I'm going to tell you this, and you're not going to like it. There is only two options. You are in the domain of darkness or you are in the kingdom. Now, stay with me. You are certainly saved if you truly are a member of the kingdom, even if you're living in the gray light. If you're truly saved, God has held, Jesus himself said, I will never let go of one of these you've given me. He won't let you go. 
But let me tell you the truth. You want to know why you're miserable? Because the darkness doesn't accept you still. But you also aren't living in the light. So you're just sitting in the gray. And remember what I told you gray is? Without interest or character, dull and nondescript. Lukewarm. Listen, you can't. This, this kingdom series, I told you, it's changing my faith. It's changing my faith for me to realize that I cannot, I can no longer be gray. I can no longer be someone who is, I'm going to be offensive by my very nature. If the darkness hates the light and it hates the one whom I follow, Jesus himself said, if the, the servant is not greater than the master, if they hated me, they killed him. They will hate you. How many of the disciples that thought they were followers actually would have said, hey, I'm going to desert you and let you be crucified? Peter said that to him. I'm never going to do that. Get behind me, Satan, right? He says to him what? By, you know, you will do it. By the time the rooster crows three times, you will deny my name. What's my point in that? I don't know how many is in here today. Maybe 100 total in this building. Do I really believe all hundred are of the kingdom? No, I don't. I'm not supposed to tell you that, but I don't. And I'm not talking about those in the room who are honest enough to say, Todd, I'm not a Christian. I respect you because at least you're here seeking truth. Now, I'm scared for you. But my fear and my sadness for those of you that live in the popsicle stand gray light. Not the ones that have dimmed their light, but the ones who have tried to come up with a fake light that isn't real because somebody in a nice suit with a tie in a big building with a perfect smile told you that's, that's enough. It would be so easy to grow this church. I'm not kidding. That, you can get, that's my area. If, I, if I'm telling you, a lot of churches, it'd be so easy if I just told you what you want to hear. But I can't. I need some of you in the room. You know, for the longest time, I preached to the, to this last week. You know, I, I got to talk to, I'm going to stay here for a second and move on to the rest of us who, the rest of you who are, uh, you're in the, you're members of the kingdom. You're just trying to blend in in the gray light. I'm trying to preach to you. I'm terrified for you. Your mother's religion doesn't save you. Your grandpa's religion doesn't save you. Your dad's religion doesn't save you. It doesn't save you that are sitting in here today and it doesn't save you that you have a degree from Grace College and it doesn't save you that you're sitting in the front row holding your girlfriend's hand. It doesn't save you, right? It doesn't save you. You are either transformed or you're not. So if we recognize that we're born into a new kingdom, that we cannot be a citizen of two worlds, then we realize the simple truth about our faith and the simplest place to start with the kingdom. Kingdom people, Christians are not the kings and queens of the kingdom. There's a lot of king-king, right? King. You are kings and queens in the sense. That's why I love Narnia, man. C.S. Lewis is so smart, right? You have kings, you have high kings, and then you got Aslan. And who really runs the roost, right? We are subject to the rules of the kingdom. We are subject to the rules of the kingdom. We submit to God and to his truth, and we will look to shape our lives around the Bible and not try to bend truth in the Bible around our lives and desires. I said this yesterday, or last week. You know, a lot of times we try to make the Bible 
the Play-Doh. We are the rock, right? We're the shape, and we take the Bible, which we, we view as Play-Doh, and we just kind of fit it around us. Fits what's comfortable. No, no, no. You are the Play-Doh, and you shape around the rock. Well, Todd, I do that. I bet you don't. I don't <laughs> in a lot of ways, but we need to. It doesn't matter what the world says a Christian is. It only matters what God's word says. So here's my point today, and we're going to get into this. Much of what we consider acceptable in popular mainstream Christian culture is not kingdom values, period. I'm going to say that again. Much of, remember I said you think you know everything? Me too. Much of what you have probably learned, not everything, as far as culturally, most of you, I think the truth is probably being preached. But culturally, what's accepted and lived in is not kingdom values. God warned of this mindset. You know that? Throughout the New Testament, God said, listen to me. You have, you, we always think when he says walk with endurance, the race, that kind of thing, that it's about like you got to finish strong in a world. No, no, no. You need to stand strong to truth in a world that is going to try to dilute it and the world that's going to create teachers to teach them what they want to hear. They will multiply teachers to find what their itching ears want to hear. On and on and on. What are you, do you think that that's like in the future still? <laughs> it was happening then. It's now. But everyone wants to point out the obvious ones. That's what, I, that's what scares me. So in Christianity, most of the pastors will, it's always like the guy who has a mega church in Texas. <laughs> you know what I'm doing here? He's the guy you're going to put out. He's got a really nice smile, right? And we're going to rip him apart, and we're going to say he's not. And P.S., I'm not saying he does preach the gospel. I, I, I'm not aware enough. But he's the one, right? Weird. What about in Columbia City, Indiana? Are there none? <laughs> Are there none in Warsaw? Are there none in Fort Wayne? Why? Because they don't have what? Fame is the only way to know? What's considered fame? 100, 200, 500, 1,000 people in your church? At what point are you famous enough to be questioned? Shouldn't be him anyway. What you should question in Texas is not whether or not he is. Question the people that go there. Question yourself for the people you follow. Do you tend to share the sermon clips that convict you or the ones that encourage you? P.S., I love encouragement. That's good. God says to do it. That's not my point. <laughs> encouragement is good, and that's a different message. But it tells us something. God warned of this mindset, this idea that we can blend in with the world. I'm going to tell you right now, gray light does not exist. It does not exist. You are either one or the other. Now, again, if you know anything about me, I'm going to tell you right now, in case anyone's watching, I, love to, I just love to just stake my thing and just make people... Once saved, always saved. I believe it. Yeah, I know. Who knows? Apparently I didn't realize that was uncommon around here, but apparently it is. Um, but guess what? That's what I believe. Now, where I'm at, I was, I'm, now I'm going into it. Calvinist, all that, I think those are dumb labels because I'm, I'm not one of everything. But I believe Jesus. I believe God when he says, listen, either that cross and that punishment was all sufficient, past, present, future, or it wasn't. And if it wasn't, then how, do I, how can I trust any of it? So, that being said, I'm not talking about those Christians that are living in the grave. Listen, you're miserable, though, in your faith. It's dead. I'm not talking about heaven or hell. I'm not even trying to make, do I want you to question whether you're of the kingdom? Sure, we should always work out our faith with fear and trembling. But my primary reason is also some of you are miserable 
You sit in the front row of church, you can't pay attention, right? Uh, I'm that guy. You, you hate coming. You, it doesn't matter if it's here or somewhere else. You know, you wake up, you do it because you do love God, but you hate all this stuff. It's because if, if you're just doing the motions. You're living in the gray. You serve the God of Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Paul, and Peter. A God who did the miraculous, and listen to me, he still does. How do I know? I'm one of them. I shouldn't be here. I, if you knew, some of you do, which God bless you. If you knew my story, this don't make any sense. I am truly the worst of these. And yet, but God. So we're going to talk about that today. You can't live in it. You can't blend in, guys. Listen, stay with me. More about the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 4.20. There's really two sections, but I want to set this up. How do I know that the gray light is not real? For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. It's interesting. So the Apostle Paul context, it's important. Apostle Paul is actually, (laughs) apparently from what we can gather in Scripture, the Apostle Paul, even though he was really tough in his letters, was a very um, probably not charismatic, sort of uh, meek-voiced guy. Like he's not a guy that's going to come in the room and demand attention. How do we know that? Because he has to talk about it. So essentially these churches, in Corinth in this case, was saying, this guy's a wuss. <laughs> Why do we listen to this guy? Remember when he came here and he was like really quiet and shy? Like and now he's talking tough. How many of you do that? Right? This is a guy talking tough to me. He's like 4'2", right? I don't know. He may have been. That's the point. And so Paul is interesting. He's done this a couple times throughout Scripture. Essentially what he says is, um, I came gentle because I love you but I can come a different way if you'd like. That's what he says. I can come a di- And that's why now you get this verse, it's kind of, he goes, I will, come, I will come in power. I will come and show you what? That the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. I'll come, and I won't even talk this time. I'll show you. <laughs> and he could, right? I mean, read Acts. But this is important because even though the context is in this, this is a truth. The kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but power. You can talk to talk. Anybody can. Hi, I'm Superman. Do you believe me? Some of you are hesitating. This is awesome. I don't know. Are you? Because you're like, is he tricking me? I'm Superman. Do you believe that, Josh? You were too quick to say it. No. Well, how do you know, though? I'm saying I am. Maybe I can fly. What if I just never told you? Now, see, already I got him. My point, here, that's my point, though. I could say I'm a Christian all I want. The talk doesn't matter. It's the power. What kind of power? We're not all going to go and do what the Apostle Paul does where he's literally like, hey, Ananias and Sapphira, you are a liar. I think, I think it was Paul or Peter. I don't know. Either way, people die. <laughs> he walks across and the shadow heals people. I mean, he did that. Demons show up, right? And he's like, get out. And they go, okay. <laughs> it's power. So this means it can't just be talk. So that means there's a lot of people that are saying it, but the proof comes in the pudding, right, in the power. All right, well, let's keep going. Romans 14, 17. Stay with me. I'm going to connect you. You're going to be like, Titus makes no sense. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, context again. Apostle Paul, again, remember I told you, if you need to guess the writer of of the New Testament, just guess Paul. You'll be right most of the time. So Paul is writing about, there was some arguments going on. This happened in many churches about what is holy to eat and not eat. Okay? 
Hey, it makes, believe it or not, we're kind of like, that's so stupid. Well, let me tell you why. Say you know that the church of Satan is sacrificing some cows down the street, and then they're selling steaks out front. And, you're, and I come up like, hey, man, you have, this steak's awesome. What's that symbol burned into? I don't know. It tastes good, though. Right? And, it, and you're going, I'm not eating that, right? That's, that's the, the situation we have here. So, I mean, there's a legit reason. Some are like, hey, they're eating that, that, that Satan steak, right? Like, that's a problem. And so what Paul was trying to say is, listen, he comes in, he says, so the context here, he's like, it's not, he, he kind of explains that what goes in your body doesn't make you unholy, right? We know that, that it's the inside. And, and he goes, listen, I know I'm free to eat whatever I want to eat. I don't feel convicted. He said, but I never want to cause my brother sin. Sister to stumble, we all know that, meaning if I show up and I can pick someone, uh, Tangie, because she's just been so alert, I'm going to pick her. And Tangie doesn't like Satan's steak. It makes her scared, right? And it makes her think that something, like her face shaking. Why would I continue to eat Satan's steak in front of her, right? I got, it's such a weird thing to say. But you get my point. So that's what he's saying. I taught you all that to come to this, though. But I love this truth. Listen, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness Enjoying the Holy Spirit. Eating and drinking can be symbol- is symbolic of everything. It's not just eating and drinking. The kingdom isn't concerned, stay with me, with surface things. Okay? The kingdom isn't concerned with surface things. That's the problem with those in the gray light. You think, I go to church, I give, I do good things, and I'm most of the time a pretty good person. And by the world's standards, and I'm not meaning that, you probably are. But God is not interested in that. He is, but it's not his most important thing. Listen, what is he interested in? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It doesn't have anything to do with what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, what you say. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That tells me a couple things. Righteousness is what? Right relationship with God. Holiness. But I love this. And that's kind of where these people stop. It is holy and that's it. And if, the more miserable you are, the more holy you are. Right? He didn't say that either. He says, but also peace and joy. So listen, are you ready? What I have to accept and what you have to accept, I'm I'm with you. We can walk this out together. There's at least some part of my life that's in the gray. If I can't say that the majority of the time, maybe even 40%, 30, that I'm living in peace and joy. Are you? I can look at y'all's faces and tell them most of you ain't living in joy most of the time. I'm just being real. You're kind of like in the gray. Like, I'm not miserable, Todd, <laughs> but I'm, you are not joyful. Or you say you're joyful, but this is, of course I'm joyful. <laughs> look at me. How dare you? Right? This is my truth. That's so weird, by the way, right? Have you ever met someone, you're like, hey, you seem kind of like you're upset. Well, that's your definition of upset. I was like, well, you just busted that plate. Well, that's how I show love. Then you just walk away, right? It makes no sense. That's the kind of thing. But listen, the kingdom isn't concerned with the surface things first. It's concerned with the real. See, eating and drinking, what you eat and drink, what's holy and holy, that's not going to be eternal. But you know what it is? Righteousness, peace, joy, love. Those are eternal things, meaning they're in the kingdom. Kingdom folk don't judge. You like that? Kingdom folk. I'm from the South. Kingdom folk don't judge by what the world views as important. The world might say not eating Satan's steak is the number one thing to do. As long as you don't eat Satan's steak, you're good. Now substitute Satan's steak for whatever your thing is. Hey, I don't look at porn, so I'm good. Hey, I don't steal, so I'm good. 
hey, I don't commit adultery, so I'm a good person. I'm picking the bat. P.S., that is good. I'm glad that you're not, genuinely. But do you think you get to go to the gates of heaven and say, hi, God, here's my ticket? And he goes, this just says you didn't look at porn for two years. He's like, I know. Isn't that crazy? Get away from me. I never knew you. They don't judge by that. So what you eat or drink or wear, those things are, are, are they're not even the point. Even modesty. What you wear, what women, you know, you get pushed a lot in the Christian culture. I get it. God, modesty doesn't exist because it's not about the clothes. <laughs> it's about where do you seek your validation, your identity, right? Where does it come from? It's not about shaming you, even though the great, great kingdom is all about that. If you'll just stop being immodest, then men will never lust. You wear a trash bag and men are going to lust if they choose to do that. That's a reality. That's a fact. You all know I'm right, too. Some of the guys are, like, not making any faces, like, not for me. Liar. Yeah, right? You've got to work to not do that. But the point is even that. Everything is just a shadow of the thing to come. The clothes you wear and being modest is not about the modesty. I mean, it's about the heart behind that. I don't have to show this off to get your attention because the men that may want this are not the ones I want. I want a kingdom man. Or vice versa. Men. Men are like, yeah, let me tell you something. Well, that's, that's funny, though. Nah, I won't go into that. It's a different day. Stay on topic, Todd. Much God's view of everything, the kingdom is flipped. Now, before you say you know that, all right, but stay with me. What's talked about in church? Two things, two extremes. Everything you do is awesome all the time, which, by the way, there's a time and place for that, right, to be reminded, hey, you're a saint, let's go. We don't worry about that, which you are. <clears throat> and that, that, that comes here at the end. But, well, we're going to talk about it. It depends on the church, right? The, <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. We, what do we wear? What do we do? How much do I give? It's irrelevant without the heart behind it. How do I know that? I'm about to tell you. I'm building a case. I, I wanted to be a lawyer back in the day. I still struggle. Whenever I say lawyer, that feels so weird to me because this is how I was raised to say it, lawyer. I want to be a lawyer, right? Anyone else call it that? Thank you. Awesome. I was mocked endlessly in high school because, you know, like sophomore year, they're like, hey, you got to tell us what you want to be. And I was like, I want to be a zoologist or a lawyer. And they all go, ah, lawyer. And I go, ha, 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 law, you're. What's loy? I obey the loy. That doesn't exist. You're just a bunch of Yankees. Anyway. Much of the religious traditions, that can be made the most important things, surface things, food, hair, clothes, even alcohol. Told you I'm going to try to find something to poke you. Alcohol, whatever, all of that stuff, the things God tells us, it's about the heart. Right? You might not be an alcoholic, but you could be a foodaholic. You could be a gameaholic. You could be a, you know, Whatever. The most important things, much of religious traditions are considered the most important things are not what we should use and what God tells us in the New Testament are the main traits or ways that we tell whether someone is of the kingdom or not. That makes sense? I know it's kind of wordy. So someone can look like a prince. Remember I told you last week? You can look like a prince sometimes. You could be a pauper. Remember the story, Prince and a Pauper? I taught you a lesson. 
He looked like the prince, but he didn't have the seal. Remember? When push came to shove and it was time to crown him, he didn't have what he needed to be crowned. It didn't matter that the world thought he was the king. When push came to shove, he had to have the thing that proved it. So if it's not these things, what are the main traits? What proves our... There's more, though. There's more. In Luke chapter 16... Verses 14 through 17. Jesus is telling a story, and he actually tells the one about uh, money, right? And the verse right before this is where he says, you cannot serve both God and money. Right after this, this, this shows up. The Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and scoffing at him. And he told them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. Can you go back to that? I, I, I'm going to need to read that again because I know you're already thinking about lunch. Stay with me. For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. You justify yourselves in the sight of others. You use others' view of you as whether or not you're doing good. But God knows your heart. That's a very powerful statement. For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. Some of the things you think are good because everybody's accepting it in your church, Christianity, is revolting to me, says God. That's a strong word. Makes him want to vomit. Stay with me. I'm going to say this in the end. Did I give you guys Philippians? It's one of those days I didn't, did I? That's okay. Come to that after. Matthew 23. This is the woe of the time we see when one of the few times Jesus is very angry. He's talking to the Pharisees again. P.S. A lot of uh, versions, and I like this because you kind of lose it. They translate it to religious leaders. Okay? Listen to this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You could say religious leaders. This is Jesus. I love everyone. Hypocrites. You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, Yet you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. (laughs) Keep going. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat, yet gulp down a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so the outside of it may, be, may also become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every impurity. In the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people. You seem holy. You seem good. But inside, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Hmm. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin. You ready? Woe to you, Pharisees, you give your offering every week, and you even do 11%. Yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Those are good. That's what I love. God says, this is, you're doing part of it. So why is he so mad? I'm going to tell you how I know that, that, our, that our modern, Christian, acceptable, kind of mainstream Christianity we should be concerned about. And I'm a, I'm a part of it. 
How many times do you see people church disciplined for not being merciful and having faith? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. How many times is someone put in church discipline for not forgiving, for not loving, for not offering something to the poor, for not uh, being kind to their spouse, for not being submissive to your husband? How many times is, there, is a pastor kicked out for that? How many times is someone removed from ministry leader because of the rebellious heart, their disrespect? How many times? How many times is church membership revoked because you're not loving and forgiving and kind and humble and merciful and just? It doesn't happen. There aren't sermons on that. But I'll tell you, right? How dare you give in to lust? How dare you, right? How dare you not give, you know, spend your money on things you shouldn't? How dare you be seen at the bar? How dare you get arrested? How dare your argument become public? It's funny, man. It's only an issue once, once the press show up. Let that sink in. Do you not see the problem here? Am I the only one that feels like I'm living in a world of insanity? That in this faith, I just read it to you, two things. He says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, all this silly righteousness, peace, and joy. He says you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These should have been done without neglecting the others. Are we not neglecting the others? Are we not seeking to punish Christians more than what? Restore them. Are we not? How does a pastor tell me through somebody else that you, we take grace too far? How far is too far? How far is too far to you? Was it the adulterer? So David should be kicked out of the Bible. Was it the murderer? See you, Paul. Was it the adulterer? David again. Was it the liar? David again. Was it the liar? Moses. My point isn't to glorify that, and Jesus didn't either. Good acts are good. But do you not hear this sentence, these things should have been done without neglecting the others? You may go to church. You may sometimes come up to the altar. You may sometimes read your Bible. You may sometimes do things you don't want to do. God says, good. You should do that without neglecting the others. Woe to you. Why? So why? Pharisees, you hypocrites, woe to you Christians. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Are you kidding? Do you not see that's us? Clean the inside of the cup so the outside may also be clean. Before you say that's weird, like, hey, I give you a nice, you ever done this? So our Real Talk cups, this has happened. If you watch Real Talk, our weekly series, please go watch it. Um, but in that series... Was that a baby or a person going, no, uh, you're good, you're good. So this cup, that was, a, I don't know, that was an incredible sound you made. Uh, that cup, I've, I've literally, and the guys can know this, and I handled it really well. No, I didn't. So I go, and I get ready to take a drink of my cup that says Real Talk. I've put my energy drink. 
and it looks perfect, and I look inside, and it is absolutely disgusting. There's a bug floating in it, and there's like some kind of black ring. And some, one time I even took a sip and looked down, and there's like a floating black thing. And I'm like, hey, did you guys watch it? I'm not going to call out any of the interns. And I say, yeah, we washed it. Look how well clean it is. <laughs> He's looking down. I wasn't calling you out. Anyway, you look at it, and guess what? Is that cup clean? Do you want to drink out of that? It looks good on the, on the by the way, if you... If you look on our camera, we've got some cups up there. They look pretty good on the outside. I promise you, you don't want to drink them now. They've been sitting there for probably three years now. I don't know what's in there. And the point is, you can have something that looks clean on the outside, but it's not. Isn't that us? Woe to you, Christians, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every impurity. In the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, praise be to God that I am free from the law of sin and death, right? That my failings don't do me to be kicked out of the kingdom. However, they still serve as a warning. If you're one of the people that's like, well, that don't matter to me because I'm good, then you're, are you? Because I think a true member of the kingdom goes, man, I don't want to be like that. You see, it was acceptable to religion. All these things they did. You, you strain out a gnat, you gulp down a camel. You seem righteous to people. It's all good, right? You're clean, Listen, I'll just say the good stuff. Hey, you pay your offering. Hey, um, you have a good life, good wife, good job. Everything's fine. You smile and you seem happy. And you're on the, uh, I don't know what you call it, your board at church and the PTO and every other three-letter word board that you're on. By the way, Again, those are good things on the service. They are. You're serving, right? It's good. You're on every ministry team. But then you go home and you scream and yell at your wife and children all the time. Or you go home and you think it's okay to disrespect your husband because submission doesn't really mean submit. Yeah, ladies, I keep putting it off, man. You have been fooled. And I've heard women in this church, I have heard what you say to your husbands. And I'll tell you right now, me and you, if we were married, we'd be having some problems. Because I'm more stubborn than some of them. I'll go, mm, I, I ain't going on the couch, you can. <laughs> this is why people don't like me. Anyway, it looked right, it looked holy. Because, But here's the thing, it looked right, it looked holy, but this is what I meant about the kingdom. So you ready? What if I told you it was the other way around? So let me, let me pitch something else. What if someone had committed adultery, but were generous, forgiving, loving, kind, and showed Jesus in every other way. Are they good enough? I always pick that one. That's the one, man, that'll get you, right? But not the real one that'll really mess with you. I wouldn't even say that one. What about the pastor that struggled with pornography, but he is a servant and loving and kind and generous and humble and preaches truth and fights You'll keep one and fire the other, though, won't you? What is happening to us? We don't live in the kingdom. Because it doesn't make sense what I just said to you. As it came out of my mouth, it sounds weird. Because I've been indoctrinated, too. And I've made a lot of people mad. I get it all the time, mainly pastors. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by just to judge me. Um, <clears throat> kingdom people don't just look the part. They are the part from the inside out. 
I'm not glorifying those sins. Those are wrong and serious. What I'm trying to tell you, and by even giving that analogy is, you should do the one and not neglect the other. And that the things you think are important might not be the most important things in the kingdom. In fact, I know they're not. If so, they would have never, you know, I love, <laughs> King David, man, he's the one. I just, oh my goodness gracious, there are some Christians. I just want to like, I got to pick my words carefully. I'm trying to. I just want to be like, you are the fakest human being I've ever known. Because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you would have kicked David out of this church in a flipping heartbeat. You'd have done it the first time, and yet you sit up there on your pulpit and swear up and down he's a man after God's own heart because he killed a giant with a sling. That's why you think he's a man after God's own heart? And I'm not saying, you know, I, I was even told one time, oh, my God. So they take the story of David, and it's, it, they highlight it, right? It's most of the time when you hear of David, I'm not saying you haven't heard warnings. You hear the good stuff. Okay, listen to me. I heard a person, and I know for a fact this pastor and his wife preached on David all the time how good he was. Well, then when someone mentioned to them that, hey, you know, David had a fall and God still used him, you know what they said? They go, you know what, though? David, David's kingdom was never the same. David didn't get to build the temple. Are you hearing the insanity of this religion we have created? This is insanity. You just don't want to face the fact that one of the men that you sit there and read his psalms was an adultering murderer. Because that messes with your view of Christianity. P.S., those were bad things, and he did get consequences. I'm not glorifying sin. If you sin, bad things are going to happen. I'm just trying to tell you that what you put as the most important things are not. God, so for some reason, this is the crazy part, murder and adultery, are they bad? Now people are like, I don't know, are they? Yes, they are. They're still bad. But somehow, this murdering adulterer is still called a man after God's own heart. Not meaning, man, don't go out and go, hey, David got to do it, me too. Let me kill and, you know, cheat. No, that's not the point. The point is, something else must have made him a man after God's own heart. What was it? It was his response. But did you know it didn't happen the first time? I'm going to go to this pastor one time. I'm going to go to this person, ministry leader, one time. And if they don't, I'm going to kick them out. No. He had to tell them a story, right? Hey, you ever heard of some sheep? What would you think if somebody went and stole some other guy's sheep? Blah, 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 blah. And, and then what is it? David goes, I'd kill that guy. He's a thief into this. He goes, that's you. And he goes, oh, my God. <laughs> right? It hit him. My point is never glorifying sin. Guys, sin is destructive and evil. My point of this is, listen, you've got to start making the other things important. You're not safe. How much time do you spend? Do you spend as much time battling your selfishness as you do lust? Do you read as many books battling um, your lack of submission to your husband as you do, how do I become a strong, confident woman of God? Because you can't do one without the other. Kingdom work. Men, you already know. Women, why do I pick on you? Because you're already like, he hates women. No. You think it's easy to love you like Christ loved the church? Because you're sure going to remind me, you're supposed to die for me. Well, you're supposed to jump if I say jump. But we don't talk about that. 
by letter of the law, I've already lost some of you, right? Clearly, he wouldn't do that if he's loving you, all right? I had, see, I didn't have to say it to the men. They're like, yeah, I say it to you. Like, you better explain yourself. No, clearly. But what if he did? Well, he's not being a good Christian man. Well, you better worry about yourself. God will take care of that. No, I don't think, man, you should tell your wives to jump. I guess I better accept that where someone takes one clip and then puts it on Facebook. So listen, what do we do? We have to live in the light. You can't live in the gray. You can't let other people. Remember what he said here. Now i got to find my own stuff. He says, you know, you have, where are we at, man? Todd, don't, how do you do this? Oh, here we go. You are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your heart. For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. It's possible that though you live in the gray light, that you are of the kingdom. Let's talk to you of the kingdom. And you're living in the gray light. You think you're living like a kingdom person. Well, you're not. Are you willing to forgive when the church doesn't? Are you willing to discipline when the church doesn't? That's what I'm saying. It goes both ways. So maybe you're a person. (laughs) It's hard, man. This is hard. Maybe you're a person who gets disciplined at your church, but it's not one of the big ones, right? Hey, I didn't cheat. I didn't steal. I didn't fight. I didn't do drugs or drink. No, you're just rebellious, divisive, argumentative, how dare he, right? And then he gets to go off and say he's still following Jesus. Are you serious? <laughs> After five, you know, following Matthew 18, we don't do that, though. That's offensive. Kingdom people don't look the part they are the part from the inside out. You can't live in the gray light. Remember, there is no gray light. It's either the darkness or the light. So I'm going to talk to two folks. If you're a kingdom person, you know it. You're of the kingdom. Are you living in the gray light? Are you shining with the real light. Because you're right, the real light's gonna get attention. It's gonna annoy some people. It's gonna remind them, right? To the dead, it is the aroma of death. Right? Scripture talks about that. It's the idea of like judgment almost, like I can smell it. But to the living, right? To the Christ people, it's the aroma of life. Are you what you are? Or do you just try to dim yourself and brighten it? Like, because when you come to church, you turn it full blast, right? But when you leave, you go, I'm going to go down a little bit because I don't want to be one of those weird Christians. You were already weird. We believe a man was raised from the dead. Let that sink in. Do you, though? No, man, he's just a good teacher. He didn't say that. So you think he's a lunatic, and yet, which means you're following a lunatic. So how do you live in the light? I got a list for you. I love you. People love them. It's not one of my best, but we'll see. Number one, how do you live in the light and not the gray? You got to follow Christ, not just Christianity. I always picture someone coming through and a pastor goes, what's he saying? Because you know you're not going to believe this, Jacob. I said his name again. He hates it. I'm considered decrepitly old to you, but young in the world of pastors. <laughs> and a lot of times that when I say things, they're going to listen to that young, hip, which they don't know me at all clearly, young, just postmodern, just no truth pastor saying Christianity stinks and our traditions stink. Yeah, you're, they do. Um, follow Christ, not just Christianity. I'm not liberal enough for the liberals, and the conservatives don't like me because my top button's not buttoned, so it's just, follow, (laughs) ah, sarcasm. Number one, follow Christ, not just Christianity. That's true. We know that even from Jesus' times that there's a time that the religious, it's acceptable to everyone that's religious to do it a certain way, right? It is. Guys, do you know that? Take, I want you Yes or no, there are things acceptable that you know in your heart are acceptable in the church today, which we are a part of. 
that is not the way of God. Not or shake your head, no. Not, okay. Well, isn't that nuts that we all know it? You know why we don't say anything? Same reason. We don't want to we don't want to be hated. Number two, you've got to follow Christ. So how do we do that? Number two, you have to let the Bible, God's word, be your truth. You see how I did there? Put it, put it in parentheses because your truth is the thing you talk about. I cannot tell you how many times I have that talk. That's your truth, Todd. That's irrational. There's either truth or there isn't. So I'm going to say it again. You have to let the Bible, God's word, be your truth, right? Read, like I told you guys to come into this. I'm doing it with you. Read these words and go, whoa. Let it change you. Be radical and different because Jesus was. You have to let the Bible be your truth. Are you one of those people? Let me tell you what some of you are. You're those people that when you get convicted by a verse and it's weird because it doesn't fit Christian culture, you immediately Google some teacher that's going to tell you it doesn't mean what it actually means. I would love if somebody would be honest. I ain't going to make you do it. Raise your hands on how many. I'll just use picking on you today, ladies, because I pick on men a lot. How many of you have Googled, like, what does submission really mean? And you weren't looking because you wanted to learn how. You wanted to know what you didn't have to do. I do not have to make him bacon in the morning, right? Whatever it is. It's unclean. <laughs> um, let the Bible, God's word, be your truth. It has to be the filter, not even me. Well, clearly not me, but meaning the pastor, whoever it is. I can't be your filter. It has to be God's word. Does that make sense? I'm trying to move fast, but I need to know you get this. Cool. But I guess I'm the only one excited today. Man, except you two because you're getting to hold hands. Anyway, three, <laughs> the kingdom. Hey, I know them. They love me. I don't do this to random strangers. Number three, <laughs> no one's coming back. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so what I just said was I love you if you're new, but if you come here a lot. You know. um, number three, the kingdom is about, I love you both. The kingdom is about transformation, not blending in. You have to be transformed. You can't blend in. Hey. You will not be able to blend into the darkness. I'm clapping so you'll pay attention because you're sleeping and you want some food. You can't blend into the darkness. When you are gray, what are you really trying to do? You're trying to go from white to black. You're trying to what? Blend in. If I'm gray, I don't stand out in the dark. Period. Number four. Living in the light, you want to. Live, if you're in the gray light, meaning today you go, Todd, that's me. Hey, I'm with you. I do it too sometimes. I do, and that's why that led me here. Because you know what led me here, guys? I, I'm serious. I know I'm just trying to make it fast. Ah, to try, Gina. I want that joy and that peace that He promises me. And because I can't fathom that it's Him, it has to be me. What am I missing? What am I missing in my faith? I think a lot of it has to do with this gray. If you're living in the gray life today, you know it's you. You have to accept that isn't kingdom living. I'm not talking salvation issue. But some of you are content to be breathing when you could be living. It isn't kingdom living. So when you get an opportunity to respond today, if you're in the gray light, you're not going to care. That's why altar time that we'll have in a little bit is so powerful to me. Because... And I'm not trying to manipulate because I don't want to see, I mean, if you all get up, great. But you know why? A person that can walk to a front and get on their knees, that's step one. I actually think it's harder to go to a person and pray with someone. That's someone that's saying, I don't care what it looks like. I want to follow him. Because he always wants that thing you're scared to death to give up. 
not even, sometimes he takes it just to give it back. If you're in the gray light, you got to accept it. And number five, this is the most important one. If, if you're living in the gray light, you're going to tend to compare yourself to the people around you. I'm as good as them. I'm doing what they do, and everybody likes Bob. Okay? Everybody, you know, we, we look at the Pharisees in a different light. Do you understand the Pharisees would have been looked at as the best of the best? These are the holiest people. Do you understand that? These are the good pastors. These are the ones that get welcomed at the Mexican restaurant. Some random guy buys them dinner. Like, that's who this is. You can't compare yourself to any man. You have to always compare yourself to Christ. And in that is a beautiful thing. One, you will always be humble. You'll learn to be content because when he could laugh and smile and love with the life he lived, then certainly you can but the other thing is that you'll never be able to stay in the gray because he doesn't live there. <laughs> you'll always go where he's at because he won't stay there. So if there's a part of me that's gray and I say, okay, I'm not going to compare myself to Bob, Jesus, oh my goodness, look how bright he is. So it doesn't matter if it's the smallest thing, right? I'll clean it if I'm really trying to be like him. She's going to come play some music, wrap this up very quickly. She's going to play a very quick song. I want to ask you guys a question. You have to decide today. I'm, we're not even, we'll get to salvation in a second because some of you are living in the gray light and you're not saved. You're not. But some of you are, and I, so I want to say it this way. You need to live. I'll talk to the other ones in a minute. You either live as though you are a kingdom citizen, kingdom citizen, not Christian citizen. We need to take that word back. I'll be cool with it when we take it back when it's Christ-based. And, 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 and there's a lot of good Christians out there, clearly. But the culture, we live as though we are kingdom citizens. We live as though we are from the kingdom or as we are from the darkness. That's it. There is no gray. It's either light or darkness. You are living in the light, shining in the light, bringing it to the darkness, or you are blending in with the darkness. That's it. That's it. You can't let people dictate kingdom values. Only the king can do that. Only God. And that's why, like, I read, you know why I like Matthew 23? A lot of people don't like it. The woe you want is because, man, I see the heart of God. <laughs> yes, I care about these things. I care about you giving money and taking care of things. I, I care about going to church. I care about all of that. I do. But I want you to care about these things. Justice, mercy, faith, trust, love. Forgiveness, joy. Do you know God cares about you having joy? If you in this room right now today, I'm 100% with you. This is the one I'm searching for. Joy. I'm not joyful. I want to be. It's not God's fault. It's something with me. Are you joyful? If you're not, man, ask him to show you why. Can't let people dictate kingdom values. When you walk out of here today, you're going to have an option for the rest of the week, let's say. Hopefully, you come back. We'll talk more about the kingdom. But you're going to walk out of here. Are you, do you want to merge with the big old Christian crowd, which, remember, at one point, 67%, it used to be even higher, 67% of America said they were Christians? You and I both know that ain't true. Or even 40%. So if not, that means 67% are going here and they're like, we're all following Jesus. And then Jesus says the way is narrow, and few will find it. How do you find it? The Bible. 
You guys got to change. We got to be different. We got to be bright. We got to be light if we want to point people to the kingdom. Otherwise, we're just pointing to some weird popsicle stand that has a fake sign that says, hey, welcome to the great kingdom. It doesn't make any sense. There's no life in it. Now, if you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, you could be someone who's always been in the great light. You don't know Jesus, I'm going to say it's super simple. I do it every week. I know it annoys you. You check out, but maybe one time one person doesn't get to hear it. And I was that one person, so that's probably why I'm so passionate about it. Uh, Here's the truth. The gospel is this. God made everything perfect in the kingdom. He made us to be perfect. There was one rule, one law. He said, let me tell you what right and wrong is, good and evil. I'm God, you're not. And we said, nah. I want to be God. And we have done a terrible job at that. And because we rejected God, we rebelled. He said, fine, you can't be in my kingdom. Go live in the kingdom of darkness. And that's where we've been roaming around for the last 5,000, 2,000, no matter how many thousand years you think. We've been roaming in the darkness trying to find and make our own light, knowing we can't. So we're guilty. We have sinned against the holy God. And God says that wrath is being stored up for us. Wrath of God. It says the wages of sin are death. Wages mean you earned it. I earned it. All it takes is one time. And before, again, I say this every week. Well, I was only bad one time. First off, you're fibbing. But I won't even use murder this week. So I come into your house and I punch your grandma in the mouth. And I take your wallet and I walk out. And then you take me to jail. And the judge says, hey, um, well, I'm going to put you in jail for a couple years. And I say, your honor, for 364 days of this year, I was awesome. And he goes, okay, see you later. Would you think that is fair? If some of you say yes, tell me your grandma's house and her number. Because you don't think it is. It's the same thing. You don't get to determine you know what justice is. It doesn't mean if it's fair to you. So one time is all it took. You are now, no matter how much you try to do these good things. See, the problem is we can do the religious acts. We have control over that. But we can't change the things inside. We don't have the ability. Sin, which is what infected us, is both the actions that you do, that's the stealing and the killing and the yelling and the mean and the hate and murder and all these things. It's also a disease you have. So even if I take a cough drop to fix the cough, I might still have the flu. Or maybe I have a sinus infection like me. I could take a cough drop all I want, but I need that antibiotic, right? I need something that's going to change me from the inside. God did that. But two things had to happen. He had to be able to change us. But before he could do that, by the way, just change us back to what we were before we were diseased. But he also has to pay the price, man. We got to die. Well, that's weird. How are we going to do that? Jesus came down. God himself invaded the darkness, the domain of darkness. He shined with a light so bright that people came to it because they're desperate for light. He told us how to live in the kingdom. And then he did something crazy and nuts and nobody expected. You see, they expected him to invade the domain of darkness right then and just just start killing fools and resetting it up. And he came in a different way and he said, no, 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 I don't want to hurt my people. I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to take their place. So on the cross, Jesus of Nazareth, he existed. Let's not debate, that's silly. You'll lose. So he is what he said he is, right? He's liar, lunatic, Lord, son of God. He's one of the three. So on this cross, he did something incredible. He took the wrath that was meant for you and me. He took it, which that would be cool. Problem is, the next day, I could lose it again. But then he did something else. He said, I'll make a trade for you. 
I'll take all your bad deeds, your evil, and I will give you the benefits of my perfect life. I will take your darkness and give you my light. And that's what he did. And then he proved he is who he said he was by raising from the dead on the third day, defeating death, meaning you will too, because what? You have his light. You're an eternal being. So how do you do that? How do you get this deal? It's pretty simple. It's not about cleaning the cup out. Can't do it. I already showed you that. Romans chapter 10 tells us this, paraphrased. If you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. You know what that really means? If you'll believe he is who he said he was. If you will let go of your darkness, you will come to God and say, I am a sinner, I've messed up, I'm in the wrong. God, I don't know how to fix myself. Help me, Jesus. That's it. Say it. You, I used to say, you, don't have, you have to say it. You know why I think that now? We don't like, with your mouth, out loud, to someone else, I even think. I think there's something to that. You don't need me. You could do it with just God. But if you have the opportunity today, say you're in this room, I hear this all the time. I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do it with these people. I'm going to do it in my car. Mm, I don't think you're ready. That's the gray light. Today is the day you've been given, this moment to respond. There's going to be people up here willing to pray with you, pray for you. Even if you are one of those people that's been raised in the darkness and you want to pray so you can be rescued and taken to the kingdom of light. Today's the day. If you're living a great life, if you need prayer, they're here to pray, you can pray there. Whatever you do, these next five minutes, make it count. It's for you and God. Respond however he's calling you to, but listen to me. Respond to what he's calling you to do because it's always gonna be for your good. Whatever you do, don't leave the same you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.